This is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time for the Steak for Breakfast podcast. It's Tuesday, September 21st, 2021, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. Smokey, this is not Nam, this is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior! America! Steak. For breakfast! So stand by! This episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by ManRubs. You can find them at manrubs.com. Promo code STEAK15 for 15% off everything in your order. They got rubs, barbecue tools, blowtorches, t-shirts, coffee cups, anything you need to make barbecue great again. You can find it there. Also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear. They're at stayreadygear.com and on Instagram, stayreadygearusa. They have holsters, custom Kydex. I'm looking at my brand new Glock 17 dump tray and coasters here from Stay Ready. Pretty freaking good. Uh, Pretty freaking fancy. The uh, Steak for Breakfast logo. I like it. I like it. Uh, anything you need, duty related, off duty related, use the code STEAK for 5% off everything in your order. In addition to that, they have a uh, hashtag F Joe Biden. 15% off promo code going on right now. Nice. So if you want extra, extra off. Yeah, use that one because that's better than our promo code. For sure. Um, some of the world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording gear can be found at odyssey.com. Whether you're podcasting, like Steak for Breakfast, you're a gamer, or you're recording some tunes. Uh, they have some of the best headphones, inner earbuds, and things of that nature to get you uh, all squared away in regards to that. They're on Facebook and they're on Instagram. As well, tactical gear, medical field. We have a lot of first responders that listen to this show. A lot of screenshots come over the course of the week in our social medias of uh, people in ambulances, fire trucks with their little um, Bluetooth screen on the dashboard, and steak for breakfast plan. Can they make the Bruce Buffer thing be their siren? I would not hate that. Yeah. Um, whether you are medicking at a top tier or mediocrely, mediocremedic.com has a lot of stuff that you could need to uh, accent your bags, your outer carriers, etc. They're on Instagram and they're at mediocremedic.com. Firearms. Places like Australia wish they had a lot more of them right now. Oof. But if you live in Southern California, Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has everything you need to get you packing heat as we round out the summer months here. Mike's got ammo as well. Five-star rating. License FFL. He'll get you going. He's got a newly redesigned website, westcoastsurvivalarms.com. He's on Facebook Messenger. You can reach him over the telephone at 619-870-6992. Tactical gear in the top tier. Mm. Mark Joe Friday. Dumpbox. Dumpbox.us. Home of the Zero Fucks Duck. One of my favorite show supporters. All the patch gear you could ever need. 80s, 90s movies quotes. Oh. Trump tweet quotes, home of the zero fuck stuck. If you don't know, you better ask Mark Joe Friday. Yep. He's on Facebook. He's on Instagram. And like I already said, 
Dumpbox.us. On that note, ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Episode 65, Steak for Breakfast. I'm Roan. Joined today by Noah. What's happening? And our lovely guest returning, one of the greatest patriots you may ever know, Miss Norbin Laden. Thanks for coming back to Steak for Breakfast. Thank you so much for having me back on. I'm really happy to be with you guys again. And we're extremely pleased to have you circling back with yeah, us. Good to have you. Man, she really ruined that expression. She ruins everything. <laughs> she ruins a lot of stuff. Yeah, she got kind of lit up yesterday, though, and we'll get into that in a little bit. But before we do... I like when she gets mad. Let's get our audience catched up on uh, everything that's going on with you. You're coming back off a little bit of hiatus. Um, why don't you tell our listening audience what's going on in your world right now? Uh, yeah, hiatus is the right word. I took a few weeks uh, away, tried to stay uh, a bit of you know, screen-free as much as possible just to get a break because I basically hadn't had uh, time off since, quote, the big reveal last September. Right. So coupling uh, the fact that I just needed some time off and uh, the episode that happened, you know, late July, early August, I had some unfortunate uh, death threats that I had to take quite seriously. Mm. Uh, I wrote about it back then when it happened and uh it kind of threw me off through threw me off my my horse there for a moment and i thought okay you know what i'm just going to to take a bit of time off and i'm slowly re-emerging um back to to fight with all of you guys welcome back yeah it's good to it's good that you're re-emerging and you know we're, we're kind of happy that you're re-emerging with us today uh not good to hear about the death threat stuff. Yeah, I mean, that's, a, that's a bummer, man. Yeah, not to get into too much specifics about it. We're glad that you're doing better. And, uh, you know, just want our listening audience to know that this is some of the stuff that, uh, you know, people who are in this fight, real patriots, whether or not they're in the U.S. or not. I mean, we've come together with people in Canada, Australia, the U.K. recently, Nor's over in Europe. And uh, th these are things that are real. We've talked about it with people like Mike Lindell. He's disclosed a lot mm -hmm. about it. Um, yes. we, all, we all know over the course of the Trump presidency, yeah. there were dozens of attempts, you know, to get close to him. And, and then now you have patriots and, and, you know, influencer personalities like Nora out there getting the same kind of business right now because of number one, always being over the target. And number two, how overtly she is at, you know, professing the things that, that she has strong convictions for. So, you know, always worried yeah. about you, dear, but glad that you were able to come back and join us today. And and this is what I what I wrote in the piece. If anyone's interested in reading it, I published it on my website, and it's called "Submission is Not an Option." And while I explain uh, the circumstance around what happened to to me in my case, I really go on to say that uh, obviously my although the circumstances of my situation are relatively unique, uh, we're all in the same boat, and I. And it was right at the time where um, we had had all these revelations about Tucker being spied on by the NSA and yep. he had been ambushed, you remember, in Montana by that uh, CIA guy yeah. who was with his acolyte just perfectly ready to film the scene and trying to provoke Tucker. And then obviously I went on to one of the things that I'm very passionate about and following incredibly closely, but it's the um, um, political persecution of the January 6th prisoners. And then we go on an even bigger scale and we just look at 
what every single person is facing in this um, huge blackmail campaign around the quote vaccines. I mean, I call them jabs; they're not vaccines. Right. Um, but uh, we're we're all every single person is under tremendous pressure. And you know, I was with um, a doctor friend of mine here in Switzerland who was very brave and uh, speaking up about all these things, and he's also fra- facing incredible pressures pressure as i said we we all are but now is not the time to retreat in essence as i write submission is not an option so we keep we keep on going and we hold the line yeah that's exactly one of the things we always make sure we do we're going to make sure that all of your links are live in our show description today and we'll be directing all of our traffic there as well um so they can not only read that but see some of the other great things that you've put out over the course of uh you know, you being in this fight, but, uh, you know, you touched on January 6th. Before we get into the news of the day and of over the weekend, let's let's talk on that real quick. We didn't really have anything written in the show with it, but definitely someone something we always like to address on here. Um, what's your overall feeling and, and narrative about those people who are still um, imprisoned in Washington, D.C. right now from what happened on January 6th? Listen, uh, I'm sure we talked about it last time I was on, mm-hmm. because correct me if I'm wrong, but it was relatively um, shortly after the protest uh, that I did in Geneva. Yeah, it was. And uh, and that protest, uh, obviously, for me, was as it was for everybody about voting voter fraud and the election steal of 2020, which is why I had the Trump one sign up there. Mm-hmm. But it was very much for me about standing up with the um, political prisoners of January 6th and all patriots who are being persecuted um, for standing up for their constitutional rights. And January 6th prisoners in particular, because, you know, they're sitting, they're actually sitting in jail. And we both, we all know here that the, the charges are completely egregious, that this was in the words of then Special Prosecutor Michael Sherwin, mm-hmm. uh, part of a shock and awe campaign, uh, whereby they just um, indicted, blanketed, indicted all these upstanding citizens in order to deter, in order to deter anyone from um, standing up uh, in the future. These these are his own words in his sixty minute inter sixty minutes interview he yep. gave. I believe it was in early March. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you can, I said this in an interview uh, over the summer, you know, is it, is it really trespassing if the police lift up the in. barriers yeah, right. and open the doors, you know, and at the end of the day, all the indictments, the, the they're, they're all minor um, uh, charges, but yet some of, some of these, uh, Americans are being held in solitary confinement. We know thanks to the brilliant reporting of Julie Kelly at American Greatness, the conditions in which they're being held. Uh, everybody should go and read her work um, to, to get an accurate picture of uh, the treatment. Yeah, you never expected to have gulags in the United the States. Of, uh, of uh, the brilliant uh, Darren J. Beatty and yep. Revolver News. And the fact that, well, we know that this whole thing was cooked up and it was a total false flag uh, and uh, that the FBI, uh, that the FBI's involvement is undeniable. And, you know, as I wrote on Twitter recently, 
reposting um, that piece from Revolver News yep. on that subject. It's really the piece that unraveled it all. Yeah, it sure is. And, uh, you know, every time people kind of get into the real black and white of that fight and the narrative of those people that are still being held and not, um, people who are on the side of the First Amendment rights that have been violated, in addition to several other things, by holding these people for so long, they go back to, like, the Beatty article and the Tucker reveal and the fact that there is legitimate paperwork in the government right now that shows that these people are co-conspirators who aren't charged. We know they're not charged because they're federal agents and officers. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just a shame that this is kind of going on. The whole thing, I'll just say this, the whole thing around one six is just so antithetical to what America is as a country. And um, it's just such a, undeniable proof that this is a regime we're dealing with and as in all regimes um, the ruling class the people that are in charge have to do everything uh, and do everything to try and silence all the opponents of said regime and this is exactly what we're seeing play out and it's always it's the it's the playbook of, of regimes and anyone who dares, as I've written, you know, multiple times and said multiple times in interviews, anyone who dares question the legitimacy of this regime uh, is being targeted, persecuted, terrorized, held, you know, unjustly uh, for 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 what? All based on a on a false flag and. I mean, I've been writing about it uh, since early January. My first piece for Revolver News um, was published, you know, mid-January, where I already then I called out the fact that it was a false flag, that it wasn't an insurrection, as they would like uh, to make everybody believe. And uh, frankly, I'm just so appalled and infuriated at um, how patriots and um, upstanding American citizens are being treated in their own country. I mean, on multiple levels, and we'll get into that, I'm sure, uh, in, in the rest of the uh, interview episode. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's definitely uh, something that... Uh, I just can't believe they're still holding them without <coughs> like legitimate charges on most of them. Or, or, or small crimes. Yeah. You know, misdemeanors and whatnot, trespassing and this, that, and the other thing. It's kind of, it's really a shame. So, you know, and it's something that every, we talked about it last week with, with our, our guest host, Nor, and, and one of the things that I've kind of theorized about it was, you know, we have disposition on election audits finally getting ready to happen this week in the United States, hopefully Friday, that, you know, the date stands. Um, We have a lot of other states that are getting geared up to go and start their own audits. Um, And I think for as much as a tinderbox as this country is right now, but even more comparably, the rest of the world always is in regards to the lockdowns and, and the vaccine mandates and stuff like that. I really do think you haven't seen a outpouring of real patriot protesting in the United States because the federal government would probably use it to simulate another January 6th and therefore help, in their case, to delegitimize any kind of audits or election decertifications here. Yeah, you kept seeing people saying, like, don't go to the Justice for J6 thing. It's a trap. It's going to be a false flag. 
Right. And, and, and I really think we're not seeing a lot of even COVID lockdown. We, we see them in small, isolated places, but protests and stuff like that, like we're seeing in Australia and in Canada and in the UK, all over Europe. I, I just don't think we're seeing that overtly here in the United States yet because they don't want to. You don't want to open it up to be used against them. Yeah. And distract and take away from the things that are really happening. Well, Americans uh, and American patriots are incredibly smart, and they they can smell they can smell what's uh, what's being cooked. And you know, I have great respect for Matt Brainyard, and I yeah. think what he's doing to raise awareness for uh, this cause is is amazing. And we should keep talking about this. We cannot let this go. Like I will never let this go. And the problem the the problem is that while this the, clearly the march and the people organizing this march are 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 patriots. And this is exactly what happened on January 6th. The problem are the infiltrators because January 6th was, a, was an amazing, amazing show of patriotism mm-hmm. um, and as it was intended to be. But the problem is that it was clearly infiltrated and we have the footage, even though they still haven't released, I don't know, the 14,000 or 16,000 yeah. hours, they still are holding on to that. The few uh, videos that we have, and you know, shout out to Bradman. I think we shouted out to him last time. Of course, as well. but shout out to Bradman, you know, and, and all these anons for circulating all those those videos. And you know, the, since we spoke last time, there's this one really damning clip of guys dressed in black gear handing out from the inside bats. baseball bats to yeah. other black clad. Um, dudes on the outside to break the windows. I mean, what? How, how clear do you need it to be? Where did those uh, bats have like serial numbers on them, <laughs> so they could inventory them later? Well, everything needs to be signed out, right? Yeah, um, yeah. It's pretty funny. And you touched on on Matt Brainerd. He is an awesome patriot. He still is extremely closely connected to Trump. He is in also an extremely tough situation right now in regards to what he's trying to do for getting justice for the January 6th protesters, but at the same time knowing that events that he does, especially once the Capitol, are going to be heavily scrutinized and obviously infiltrated like they were on January 6th, like they were last weekend. We saw probably more news cameras and feds there than protesters or ralliers, and apparently the only person that was arrested was a special agent for, you know, HSI who... Once he was encircled by the security there, all was, he could do was basically show his badge and say, like, hey, listen, I'm one of you guys. It confirmed he was HSI? Yeah. Wow. So, sorry I wasn't glowing hard enough, but <laughs> <laughs> here's my badge. So, you know, it, it's one it's one of those things where Matt's really doing the best that he can. He was on the show. I don't know if you know, nor or not. Last month, he, he gave an amazing interview, uh, nearly an hour, and broke down everything from, you know, getting people in the fight for election integrity to the audits to January 6th, uh, how he's vetting candidates all across the country. Um, you know, real patriots like Joe Kent, Anthony Sabatini, yeah. he's, he, he, Bobby Python, he represents a lot of those guys um, as a consultant and uh, is really doing a great job across the board for the patriot movement. So, you know, kind of a dud last weekend, but he was kind of put in a bad spot. The good part is, yeah. administratively, for January 6th, he's doing all the right things. He's filing lawsuits. He's gone and um, protested to the United Nations, the Justice Department. He's gotten House and Congress uh, representatives involved in trying to uh, get into that prison and find out a better disposition on everything. But the fact of the matter is, is that uh, you know he's just in a tough spot with kind of organizing anything right now just because of what already had happened. 
Yeah. So we do have a lot of other crises to talk about. Crises. So let's jump into the news. Uh, we did have uh, another thing we've been touching on since we've last had you on months ago was uh, the crisis at the southwest border here in the United States. So, you know, we're, we're seeing a lot of things right now that you probably have seen over the years in Europe with the North African migration and what it's done to the countries and the economies and the justice systems of Europe. Uh, we're seeing the same thing now in the United States, probably bigger than ever before. Numbers-wise, it's bigger than ever before. Mm. And, um, you know, what's going on right now, just to get the audience in the know, is that a large group of Caribbean asylum seekers are amassed in Del Rio, Texas. The number's getting close to 20,000. Now, a lot of these people... How many people live in Del Rio? Uh, approximately 30,000. So, that's a lot. Yeah, it's getting pretty ugly. Um, people need to know, though, they see all these people, they don't look like Hispanics. They're not Mexican. They're saying they're from Haiti. Um, they're from places in Latin America. And, and just to the casual newsgoer, you kind of get some confusion on to where these people came from. So, back during the first earthquake they had in Haiti in the early 2000s, hundreds of thousands of Haitians and people from the region migrated to Central America. They took up home in places like Brazil. A lot of them opened up restaurants or got jobs. Um, there were thousands of Haitians and Caribbean Islanders who helped build the Olympic Training Center there for the Olympics that they had in the mid-2000s and basically have made those places their homes. But now, and due to the fact that the current occupying administration has made it to where, if you walk across the border, aside from voting, and that's questionable, mm. you will receive all the same rights as an American citizen, which include work authorization, free medical care, school, etc. They've come up in the thousands, if not close to hundreds of thousands. Oh, there's, there's one thing that it doesn't fall under the same as American citizens. Oh, what's that? Vaccination. Vaccination status? Yeah. They get ivermectin, though. Well, I mean, devil's advocate again. That could be for what ivermectin is actually for. Now you're bringing that whole horse narrative into it. No, not the horse. The, We're not there yet. The uh, parasites. Right. From the horses of the Border Patrol riding them. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't think I was going there, did you? No. Well, we're there. Here we are. Um, it's gotten out of control, though. It's, it, it's a humanitarian crisis, to say the least. Um, I, we're going to assume that total number of people that have crossed the border illegally this year now has already reached or exceeded those originally forecasted Peter Navarro numbers of 2 million plus. It's like a bad movie, like humanitarian crisis part two. Yes. Texas. And, uh, you know, right now we're just seeing something like we've never seen before. The administration, once some bad drone footage got out last week, tried to close the airspace. Oops. To which point, um... Dallas State Police mobilized <laughs> helicopters and decided to film it for all the news agencies themselves. Oh, got them. Um, there, there is a back and forth of the narrative and the um, what's really going on on the ground. So apparently, late last week, Homeland Security, namely the Border Patrol, closed the checkpoint between Del Rio and where all the migrants were coming across from in Mexico. Um, another entity within... Homeland Security stepped in and promptly reopened 
it and said, we're not closing it. Oh. We don't care. Right. Let them in. Mexico decided to uh, close the border on their side in response to that, at which point Mexico abandoned their nearly overrun station there at the Del Rio checkpoint. And that's when the real big, you saw tens of thousands of people crossing over the course of the last four days of last week leading into the weekend and now this week and where we're at now. Oh, I bet that station on the Mexican side has people like living in it right now. Greg Abbott had had enough at that point and mobilized um, state troopers, the National Guard, et cetera, to put up a physical barrier of law enforcement vehicles, um, horse riding officers, et cetera, to set up a physical barrier, at which point they started funneling around those and coming in at other open areas in Del Rio before circling back to there. Um, We have heard from some of our listeners that people who are working down there don't even have places to sleep on the U.S. side because all of the hotels are full of migrants, bus stations, schools, fire stations, you name it, is filled with refugees. Oh. Yeah, overran completely. Um, A lot of the businesses have been ordered to be shut down and to prepare food for the migrants. And if you live in the Del Rio area, you're taking a four to five hour car ride to get medical attention for anything due to the fact that the hospitals are overran with people who are actively having COVID, measles, mumps, tuberculosis. So that's kind of what we got going on down here. Um, Nora, I know you've been following this extremely closely, I'm sure. Uh, what are your feelings on just the optics of it come, coming from Europe right now? What is, what is the narrative that's that's kind of built over there in regards to this disaster on the southwest border? Listen, um, as I said, I was quite um, in retreat the last few weeks, but one of the things that I very much voiced grave concerns about was the situation at the border, uh, obviously tied in with the situation in Afghanistan that uh, broke in August. Right. Uh, I went on uh, Steve Bannon's war room uh, at that moment, you know, when, when uh, the debacle of the uh, Afghanistan withdrawal took place saying that you absolutely needed to close your borders immediately. Um, and as was the operation uh, in Afghanistan, everybody says, you know, it's a failure and it's uh, incompetence. I, from the start, called it an operation. Uh, the same thing is going on at the southern border, and obviously it's tied. Um, there is a clear design here to flood the country with migrants uh, to change the demographics and change the voting structure of the country. And um, <laughs> those who claim um, that you know, they are acting in good faith and all the people who are, who are, how would you say it in English? Sorry, I, I'm thinking in French right now. But all the people who, who claim to have um, deep sympathy and concern for these migrants. Yeah. They don't realize that the, that by by sending the signal, they are actually endangering the regime by sending the signal that they should be um, coming over. 
are actually endangering uh, these people's lives. And we know all about, you know, human trafficking mm-hmm. and child trafficking at the border, et cetera, not to mention all the drugs pouring in, the fentanyl. I mean, the just the fact that the border is in the state is an absolute disaster for the entire country and for the people who, who are risking their lives uh, to, to come over. So, no, this is clearly by design uh, as much of what this regime is is doing to destroy America from within, but also on the world stage. Yeah, that's a very good point. I mean, we, we technically don't necessarily have a country right now. You have portions of it that are locked up, and then you have portions of it that are wide open for all the wrong reasons. And, you know, we're, we're going to get it. Listen, I can't come. I've been dying to come <laughs> to the U.S. We want you to come to the U.S. I, I mean, I'm sitting here, and I can't, I can't come because... Um, Europe since March 2020 has been uh, on the list because of COVID. Right. And uh, the country is actually closed, closed to Europeans. Now they talked about, really, I'm following obviously this very closely because I really want to, to come over, but now they are planning on reopening only for vaccinated, quote, yep. vaccinated people of uh, this fall. Uh, but all these migrants... All these migrants and all the people from from Afghanistan or from Haiti or wherever, they can just come through, no problem, no papers, no vaccination cards. They're given, you know, plane tickets, they're allocated, you know, in different parts of of America. Coincidentally, quote, coincidentally, (laughs) in uh, swing states. Yeah, imagine that. Districts. Got to bump up those it's, voter numbers. Uh, well, I mean, this is an entire, yeah. I, I've, I've mentioned this before. It's like, this is an entire demographic of people that they will be able to be swayed whichever direction that the people in charge want, just based on fear. They're going to be able to infiltrate these, these areas where all these people are living and be like, Hey, you better vote. You better show up and vote this way. Or, Hey, let me fill out your mail-in ballot because otherwise this person's going to make you get deported. And people who think that we're, not on point with this narrative or think that we're exaggerating it in any way, shape or form. I strongly suggest that you go about 10, 15 years back to Elon Omar's district in Minnesota Oof. and ask if exactly. that, yeah. Was that a uh, little Somalia 15 years ago with, no. with a, <laughs> with a house representative who hates the United States and committed immigration fraud to get into her spot and obtain citizenship. And, and stuff, that's all confirmed. Confirmed. And the stuff that goes on in that district. So, but you, you won't, have, I mean, you're talking about this Department of Homeland Security and this DOJ. The infiltrated, the infiltrated institutions of America, that are allowing this to happen. Yeah. And um, listen, at the end of the day, it's just so obvious that the 2020 election was a red wave. Yeah. Even, even California, even New York State. You know, I I really firmly believe that it was a red wave across the board. And so these people have no choice, no choice going forward um, to kind of drown it in amidst the um, electronic fraud, et cetera. There are different techniques. They have to as well import a new demographic to, to... to hide or cover up their their fraud fraudulent practices. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a really good point. Um, let's talk. Let's hear. I, some people would say enraged. I'm going to say inflamed. Mm. 
the uh, mayor of Del Rio, Texas, met with Alejandro Mayorkas, who apparently is the only person in the administration currently picking up the phone. Um, and he had this to say about what was going on while he visited the border over the weekend. So I know that you, as you said, you, you talked to Secretary Marocos, but I also you have been trying to tag President Biden on, on yeah. Twitter. Have you heard from him or his office or vice president's Not office? Not directly from the vice president or um, president's office, unfortunately. Um, I have been just trying to spread the dire situation here. Um, right now, because of the conversation I had with, with Secretary Marocos, I, I Marcus. now feel that, that his office is fully aware of the situation here happening in real time. And would you yeah. want them to visit? And, of course, he would want them to visit. Uh, Mayorkas was down there over the weekend and, and did give a brief statement to the media. However, didn't take questions, which I thought was pretty interesting. Well, they never take questions. None of them take questions. God forbid somebody asks a question that actually matters and they have to do a legit dodge that looks sketchy. Oh, wait, that's every day. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean it's an excellent point. Uh, you'd be surprised at his answer, though. I mean, I, mean, I guess it, it was kind of a question at the end, but... You're going to kind of laugh when you hear just how he had to follow up on that Del Rio mayor talking about it. We have reiterated that our borders are not open hmm. and people should not make the dangerous journey. Individuals and families are subject to border restrictions, including expulsion. Irregular migration poses a significant threat to the health and welfare welfare of border communities and to the lives of the migrants themselves and should not be attempted. Okay, well, I mean, that kind of uh, sums it all up. So, the mayor of Del Rio, Texas. So, wouldn't wouldn't him saying that mean that it would be very important for us to know who's got what that's coming in? Yeah, that's a good point. I but mean, I, but I mean he just said it. I didn't. The mayor of Del Rio, Texas, did say he needed to tag Kamala Harris and Joe Biden on Twitter to hopefully get a response from them. Mm-hmm. Kind of interesting point. Yeah. Don't and, hold your breath. And then you have the head of Homeland Security giving a statement with the backdrop of 20,000 Caribbean migrants encamped behind him on the U.S. side. It's basically like that part in Naked Gun where everything's exploding and he's like, oh, no, nothing to see here. All right. it's, it's literally that part of the movie. Are we getting migrants of the Caribbean themed uh, memes yet? No, oh, I like that. Yeah, migrants of the Caribbean. Why haven't I thought of that? <laughs> you should make more memes. Yep. Um. So yeah, a lot of double talk fr- from the administration. Uh, it kind of piggybacked into yesterday, where you had, well, I guess you can call it the start of a bad day for one of Noah's all-time favorites, Jen Psaki. Nah. And where she's usually, uh, you know beating up the media or not answering questions, she kind of got hammered a little bit from Fox News' Doug Ducey. Before we get into a little commentary on this narrative, let's continue to shape a little bit and hear exactly what she had to say about the border yesterday, raising several of the concerns that Nor just brought up. God, she must be annoying when she's hammered. A few minutes ago. The question about what's going on at the border, is somebody asking the foreign nationals who are walking into Del Rio, Texas, and setting up camps on this side of the border for proof of vaccination or a negative COVID test? Well, first of all, I can re, re, I can readdress for you or re talk you through what that steps is, we that take. That's the policy for people who fly into the country. So if somebody walks into the country right across the river, does somebody ask them to see their vaccination card? Well, let me explain to you again, Peter, how our process works. Oh, okay. Oh, as individuals, thank you. as individuals come across the border, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, they are uh, both assessed for whether they have 
uh, any symptoms. If they have symptoms, they are the intention is for them to be quarantined. That is our process. They're not intending to stay here for a lengthy period of time. I don't think it's the same thing. It's not the same thing. These are individuals, as we've noted and as we've been discussed, we are expelling individuals based on Title 42 specifically because of COVID, because we want to prevent a scenario where large numbers of people are gathering, posing a threat to the community and also to the migrants themselves. So those are the policies that we put in place um, in large part because, again, the CDC continues to recommend Title 42 be in place given we're facing a global pandemic. Where's the vice president on any of this? Isn't she supposed to be addressing the root causes (laughs) of migration? Absolutely. And she has been addressing the root causes of migration really? by working with countries in the region to ensure they have the assistance they need. So addressing a postcard, the maybe. number of people who are coming uh, and trying to make those journeys across the border. We've actually seen some reductions in some of those numbers. What? That doesn't what? change the fact that this is a very challenging situation in Del Rio. We're working to implement our policies and we're working to uh, ensure we are also addressing the root causes. So, I mean, <laughs> Nor, you're going to have to weigh in on this. You are feeling... As as a you you're a citizen of your country. You have a passport. You've been to the U.S. I'm sure several times in the past. No problems. No issues. Right now, not allowed. You have the money. You have the visa. You have the capabilities to get here. However, we're not letting you in for COVID vaccination reasons. However, and in addition to Jen Psaki saying that over the course of the last few days. I don't know what fucking border she's looking at. They've actually no. seen the numbers starting to stem down. You've had the two largest months, 200,000 plus back-to-back months for the first time in the history of the United States since they rec- started recording this stuff. Unchecked people coming across and being apprehended. So just continue to wrap yourself around the numbers. Over 400,000 people in the last two months have come in and been apprehended. Yeah, and given how over just understaffed and overrun our Border Patrol and the Border Patrol chief has gone on every major cable news network that will let him and say, they call it getaways, Yeah, two to one. Yeah. So 400,000 in the last two months, now you're talking about 500,000 people in the wind, at least. Yeah, minimum. And that's just, you know, not, not taking into consideration potentially people that are able to pay for much more... Uh, Anything? Well, just better smuggling attempts, really. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's tunnels out there. Yeah, there's tunnels. There's routes that are unmanable that, you know, people die doing, but a lot get across Yeah, uh, making the trek. But, but North, you know, Peter Ducey touched on something that directly uh, affects you, and it seems like the administration, like they do with all things, a lot of double talk and a lot of non-answers in regards to, you know, if she's basically saying, well, if a migrant comes across and, and doesn't feel well, we'll, we'll screen them. First of all, there's no screening going on down there at all, 0%. The only time people yeah how are you gonna how are you gonna take somebody's temperature with a little laser scanner on their forehead in Texas right when it's 110 degrees and yeah. they're severely dehydrated yeah. and knows how long what they've been doing they've just crossed a small portion of the Rio Grande and uh, etc and, and the only time these people are going to the hospital is when they come across the border and demand to go yeah it's not like we're taking them and be like okay COVID screening center over here you know this that and the other thing it's just completely mind-blowing to hear her talk like that and think that it's any kind of a legitimate narrative and this is something you just touched on without actually hearing that audio so feelings listen it's (laughs) just one giant gaslighting campaign at the end of the day gaslighting campaign and blackmail campaign 
and uh, they, they can just stand in front of our faces and just lie and lie and lie about things that are so obvious and un, un, you cannot deny or lie about them. I mean, the numbers are the numbers. So it's not a question of interpretation or anything. It's facts. And I mean, this is the whole war we're in, you know, where they're trying to, to lie about basic facts. Well, it's like this is obviously the safest and most secure immigration in the history of immigration. <laughs> where have oh, I heard exactly. that before? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it goes up with the safest and most secure vaccinations of all vaccinations in the history of vaccinations. Just don't look exactly. at the VAERS website and following the safest and most secure elections of all elections mm. ever. I don't feel as safe and secure. This is something that I've been saying for for a long time, but at the end of the day, the people who are ruling the country fundamentally hate your country and are doing everything in their power to A, harm the country and its citizens and B, indoctrinate the population into becoming anti-American and and indoctrinating them to hate the country like they do. Yeah. And this this is the entire point of of what they're doing on you're, you're multiple levels. No, you're one hundred percent right on that, and, and it's true. They they are ruling the country. We don't have elected officials anymore. We have people that have grabbed power. Well, we're going to get into that in a minute as we wrap the border crisis here. We've got a couple more audios. So this morning, Alejandro Mayorkas appeared before a congressional committee. Ah, he's a dork. Yeah. Well, Josh Hawley was fed up with some of the non-answers he was giving, which kind of went in line with what the administration's response to this whole thing was going into last weekend. Things are coming out now. Like I said, the closing of the checkpoint, reopening of the checkpoint, Mexico abandoning it. You know, we're not testing anybody, but people who are sick are getting treated. That's complete bullshit. And, uh, you know, he kind of lit him up today. So let's hear some of that from Capitol Hill this morning. July, I asked you about the migrant surge that's been occurring on your watch, and you said this, I'm quoting you now, we have a plan, we are executing the plan, the plan takes time to execute, and we are doing so. Now, since that time, CBP has released data that showed two straight Mm. months of illegal border encounters above 200,000, which, as you know, hasn't happened in decades. My question is, when is your plan going to work? So, in fact, we are implementing the plan, Senator Hawley, and I can uh, walk through some of the measures that we have taken. My question is, when is it going to work? Uh, So it is, in fact, uh, working. working We have seen over the last several weeks, if not uh, the month, a drop in the number uh, of encounters at the United States border. We have been working very closely with Mexico to increase interdictions. We have uh, addressed the issue of recidivism. And if, in fact, people have been previously removed, we are referring them to criminal prosecution. We have increased lateral flights across the border to facilitate the expulsion of individuals under Title 42. I, I don't mean to interrupt you, Mr. Secretary, except our, my, our time is so limited. I, I just want to be sure that I understand. 200,000 border encounters mm. over two straight months, a record in decades, for uh, over decades. Oh. And you're telling me that, that this is success? Are you happy with what's happening at the border now? Is this success? Senator, uh, as <laughs> I said then and I say now, we have a plan. We're executing our, on our plan, and we will continue to do so. But you just testified that it's working. I'm just trying to understand. You, this is, is this success? Are you telling me that this is successful, your plan is successful currently? Senator, Senator we are not finished in the execution of our plan, and oh, I never suggested otherwise. We continue to do the work 
that we are required to do to secure our border. That is an ongoing process. Do you have a time indeed frame? Indeed, we are I'm executing. Your plan. Are you happy with your progress? Senator, we need to do better, and we need to do more, and we are committed to doing so, and we are doing so. Let, let me uh, ask you about one of the latest crises that we've seen in, in Del Rio. Thousands of migrants crossing the border illegally. Reporters have, have captured images of this. Many are now encamped, as you know, on the U.S. side of the border. How many migrants have, have crossed in the United States in, in Del Rio over the past week? So uh, last week, I think the, um, the high point uh, was 13 to 15,000. Hmm. It is now well below 10,000. Uh, we continue um, to move individuals from Del Rio to other processing centers to facilitate uh, their repatriation. And, and how increased, if I may, Senator, uh, we have increased the number of repatriation flights uh, to Haiti and to other third countries. The size of the population in Del Rio, Texas, uh, has diminished considerably. And let me say two very important things which I observed firsthand in Del Rio, Texas yesterday. Number one uh, is the human tragedy. I'll stop it. Just the vulnerability of the individuals who are under the bridge in Del Rio. Oh. Uh, we cannot minimize that. Is an extraordinarily difficult thing to see. Number two, I met with quite a number of Border Patrol uh, agents and officers in Del Rio, Texas. I saw them working with members of the Department of Health and Human Services to deliver medical attention. There's I saw Rickton. them working with the American Red Cross to deliver um, medical kits. How, how many are currently right? Mr. I'm sorry, Mr. Security, but I've, we've got very limited time. How many are currently right now at, at the encampment? Um, uh, I'd have to check as to today's numbers. Uh, it is below 10,000 is the latest information. That's a complete lie. It's yeah. well over 10,000. And you know what? Josh Hawley's still a dark horse vice president candidate for me moving forward. Mm. Uh, he's been persecuted by the left a lot. He's been canceled a couple times, including with his book deal. And he's pretty spot on about not taking shit from any of these idiots. Doesn't really affirm himself to a lot of lobby groups either. And and kind of is out there working for the people of, of his constituency and, and not for, you know, big tech, big pharma, et cetera. Um, so that was today. Not really getting any answers. A lot of non-answers, which seems to be the theme of the show so far. Um and Listen, maybe it's the most honest answer yet. You know, the things are going according to plan. Yeah, just saying we don't care. Like, yeah, we know what's going on, but we're not doing anything about it. So no, no, they are, they are, they're importing these people. So yeah, in in, in that sense, maybe it's you know the truth. You know, things are going according to plan. Yeah, there were several big tells there. I don't know if they're fraud, fraud and slips or just soft disclosure for the public, but removing them from underneath that bridge into other processing centers means into the interior of the United States. Yeah. Um, yeah. they had also started the rumor yeah. that they were repatriating. And what that means is if you're a citizen of Haiti or you've obtained legal permanent residentship in other third party countries, let's just say like we already referenced on the show, Brazil, um, they were going to be flying people back there. Whether or not that's happening, there are also several other non-mainstream media news agencies who have been talking about going to gas stations, going to bus stations, going to firehouses and talking to people who all have plane tickets to fly to places like Chicago, um, Michigan, Florida, other places in Texas, Nebraska, Maryland, etc. 
the people aren't allowed to say who they got the tickets from. And then they have those little manila folder packets that say like, Hey, I'm a refugee. I help do not, me. Yeah. I do not speak English. Please help me get to my gate. This, that, and the other thing. So the narrative that they're saying like always is essentially a lie, but definitely not the truth of, of the big picture that's going on and, and, and kind of, you know, something that uh, everyone needs to just understand what you're seeing on television is nowhere near, um, you know, how big the actual issue down there is. It, it never will be. Even if you see the overhead drone footage, you, you won't see the people crossing the rivers, the people dying in the rivers, the dead bodies floating, um, fights within the encampments, fights for food, um, how awful these people are to not only the Dallas state troopers and, and National Guard who have been mobilized, but to the Border Patrol and everyone else helping out down there. These people are just absolutely awful. You think they come in like, oh, my God, thank you. I've made an American dream. I'm happy. These are some of the worst people and most entitled people you'll ever meet in your entire life. And I'm talking about all of them across the board. They come in and they immediately want medical. They want hotels. They want anything that they've seen on television or they've heard from other people that have got in. Oh, it's not even hearing it from other people that have got in. There's people that are facilitating on the south side that are saying, this is what you need to do. This is how you can do it. And this is what you should request. This is what you are entitled to. Entitled to. Yeah. While your kid wears a mask in school and you're not considered an essential human being, so you have to stay home in the United States. Garbage. Yeah, it sure is. Um, Governor Greg Abbott... Not a huge fan. I think he kind of slow walks stuff because he likes to cater to all of his constituents instead of the ones who really represent Texas, and those are the patriots. Um, when it comes to the non-patriots, you really shouldn't care uh, because all they want to do is, number one, get him out of office, and number two, ruin your state and turn it into a legitimate swing one, which I hope it never will be. Um, he went down there today and, and showed some extreme displeasure for a lot of the stuff that was going on down there. Um, I, I kind of missed it. I couldn't grab the audio because I was literally getting ready to come here. But the union president of the National Border Patrol Association went on after Greg Abbott and absolutely lit the administration up, called them all out by names, Good. exactly what they're doing. All of the, what a lot of people call exaggerated numbers, but are more towards the true ones and how tied their hands are. In addition to, he broke down the narrative. Yesterday, Jen Psaki was asked about what appeared to be border patrol agents who were on horseback whipping migrants who were coming across the Rio Grande when actually anyone who's ever, you know, knows anything about horse riding. I've ridden a horse. Right. And then you have reins that you need to keep yep. the horse either going in one direction or to stop. Um, and it was well, just to change direction with a person who's trying to evade you so you don't run them over and or, stomp them. Or in that case was actually swinging at the officer. He had like two handfuls of tied food containers in like plastic bags. And when the Border Patrol agent was coming into the river to interdict him, he swung them in the face of the horse. So he whipped the horse real quick to, to, turn. Get him to turn and then kind of circled back. But it was blown up in the mainstream media that border patrol agents are whipping migrants coming across it's just not the case well and if we know anything about the media and the way that they frame photos and how they set photos up i'd be willing to bet like they're like hey why don't you uh go run over there and i'm gonna take some pictures yeah demonizing the people that are working on the front lines right now are exactly what the narrative was two weeks ago in afghanistan when they said they droned a whole bunch of people in isis who uh were connected to committing those atrocities at the airport there when it turns out it was a dad, his friend, and seven children. So, you know, it, it's one of those things. Don't let them shape that narrative in a demonic way for you because as soon as you start to feed into that, you're going to find out really fast that that was, number one, not the case. 
and just another distraction by this administration to take away from what the root cause of the problem is. Well, they needed they needed exactly. some sort of media stuff to get people thinking emotionally instead of rationally again. Yeah, and, and there's nothing more that makes people more emotional than and seeing people get mistreated bad by law enforcement, which is something I feel like we were starting to get away from, and now they're trying to bring it back. But when you look at people who are connected directly to Barack Obama, like the ones that are currently occupying the Oval Office, et cetera, in Washington, D.C., then you would know that you know that was one of his greatest plays. Um, starting with the Michael Brown stuff back in 2017, Ugh. which kind of sparked just an absolute hatred for law enforcement in this country. More importantly, though, let's hear Greg Abbott, you know, throw the administration under the bus today and, and talk about his extreme displeasure for what's going on down at his southern border in Del Rio, Texas. Preventing people from being able to cross the border. One day there were countless people coming across the border. Then that very same day, the Texas Department of Public Safety put up all of these DPS vehicles and suddenly in an instant people stopped crossing the border in this location. That strategy is working. In addition to that strategy there's something else that we're doing that's been unprecedented mm. and that is the state of Texas we are arresting and jailing anybody who comes across the border illegally and trespasses on private property or on pu public land and so it's not the Biden administration catch and release policy. It's the arrest and jail policy, sending a message to these folks and anybody thinking about coming here. If they're thinking about coming and crossing this river here in Texas, you may have, you may wind up with handcuffs on your hands going straight to jail. So, believe it or not, jail. Yeah, because you'd be in jail. <laughs> so, so that's kind of where we at are at right now in real time today, Tuesday afternoon. Pacific Standard Time. Mm. That that was the updates leading right into the show. So um, it's kind of terrible. Um, definitely a distraction to pull away from all that awful Afghanistan stuff. Terrible. Last week. And uh, who knows where, 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 where we'll be at in a couple days. Um, good qu point. I think Noah's mentioned it. Noah's mentioned it. Who's running the country right now? We have no idea. A little bomb in his pajamas in the basement? So... Joe Biden apparently left Washington, D.C. for Delaware and, and spent his weekend on the beach while all this stuff happened. The end of the uh, Afghanistan congressional hearings right into this border disaster over the weekend. I feel like people got mad at Trump for going golfing a lot. Right. Before being ushered straight to New York City, where he spoke at the U.N. today. Coming in a second. Um, Kamala Harris is nowhere to be found. We've been told she's sheltering in place. You can hear her cackling in the distance. I'm she doesn't sure. want to put her name on any of this stuff. And and you have, you know, the Secretary of State, the Secretary of Defense, one of the Joint Chiefs, really getting beat up over, over the last couple of weeks. So there, there's not there's some confusion on to who really is running the country at the moment. It's obviously not Alejandro Mayorkas because he got his ass kicked today on Capitol Hill. Um, you know, and it's, it's just one of those things that it's like you got this bus on fire with a whole bunch of kids on it and the bus driver's not there. I think that would be a good dictation of, uh, you know, what's going on right now with the administration. Um, talking about important things, definitely affecting the United States right now. Joe Biden bought them up today. He spoke at the General Assembly. I was surprised. I thought he might have just been uh, there to kind of check it out, Jack. But as he was being ushered from event to event, he did not answer any questions, wore several masks. Wow. But when he did get up in front of the General Assembly, 
talk to them about the things that Wait, are really multiple masks. Yeah, well, he always They're doing wears, that again. He wears like one and then the black one over. All right. So let, let, let's hear so we can talk about this real quick because I don't really want to stay on it or him because he's just a completely empty suit that's being manipulated by every single other person that's really running the country right now. But let's let's hear what some of the narrative they want to get out via him at the United Nations today. We will strive to ensure that basic labor rights, environmental safeguards, and intellectual property are protected. Huh? And that the benefits of globalization are shared broadly throughout all our societies. We'll continue to uphold the long-standing rules and norms that have formed the guardrails of international engagement for decades that have been essential to the development of nations around the world. Bedrock commitments like freedom of navigation on three key challenges. Saving lives now, vaccinating the world, and building back better. What? This year has also brought widespread death and devastation from the borderless climate crisis. The extreme weather events that we have seen in every part of the world, and you all know it and feel it, represent what the Secretary General has rightly called Code Red for Humanity. We also have to support the countries and people that will be hit the hardest and that have the fewest resources to help them adapt. In April, I announced the United States will double our public international financing to help developing nations tackle the climate crisis. And today, I'm proud to announce that we'll work with the Congress to double that number again, including for adaptation efforts. This will make the United States a leader in public climate finance. And with our added support, together with increased private capital and other from other donors, we'll be able to meet the goal of mobilizing $100 billion to support climate action in developing nations. On our existing development assistance and global health and and a global health threat council, council. That is armed with the tools we need to monitor. Well, he wasn't done there. He did kind of uh, give a little bit more of a disposition on vaccines. Let's hear it. Our global COVID response, the global COVID response. We've shipped more than 160 million doses of COVID-19 vaccine to other countries. This includes 130 million doses from our own supply and the first tranches of a half a billion doses a Pfizer vaccine we purchased to donate through COVAX. Planes carrying vaccines from the United States have already landed in 100 countries, bringing people all over the world a little dose of hope, as one American <laughs> nurse termed it to me. No, a she did A dose didn't. of hope, direct from the American people, and importantly, no strings attached. And tomorrow, At the U.S.-hosted Global 19 COVID-19 Summit, I'll be announcing additional commitments as we seek to advance the fight against COVID-19 and hold ourselves accountable around specific targets on three key challenges. Saving lives now, vaccinating the world, and building back better. So now we got a little bit more context into one of those earlier pieces. So we heard... um what is it? Vaccines without borders, um, protecting intellectual property rights. 
Yeah, boy. And yeah, vaccinating the world. That, that was kind of our, well, in addition to uh, more commitment to green energy. Vaccinating the world, whether they want it or not. Yeah. Nor, you have some feelings on building back better. What do you think about some of that overall narrative? Definitely different um, from the last time a U.S. president spoke at the U.N. General Assembly uh, about the narrative that was, you know, pontificated there today. Ron, uh, completely. You you chose the words I was going to use, you know, build back better, mm. the ones that you extracted from his speech. And perfectly pointed out as well, this is the antithesis of President Trump's speech he gave, I believe, in 2019, mm -hmm. uh, where he says that uh, the world does not belong to globalists, the world belongs to, the future does not belong to globalists, the future belongs to patriots. Yeah. That speech is just one of his best he's, he's given yeah, it was. during his first term. And this is the absolute antithesis of that speech. And he just laid it down so thick with all the key terms and the climate change nonsense and the build back better. This is the typical, I mean, I, I think they must have given him a nice little treat after he gave that speech three hours ago because it was the perfect globalist minion yeah. uh, speech he gave there. Yeah. yeah, there's somebody off to the side just like waving a chocolate chocolate chip ice cream cone at him. Yeah. Sure, it wasn't Rocky exactly. Road. Rocky Road. Oh, man. Yeah. So that was kind of what happened today, in case you missed it, regarding uh, Joe Biden's big speech at the United Nations. Everyone's getting vaxxed. We're going greener. Getting vaxxed whether you want it or not. Yeah. And, and we're building back better. We all know where that, you know, narrative and language comes from. All of our friends over at Davos um, yeah. in accordance with Agenda 2030. So he did give us a good segue, though, to get into the... Uh, COVID narrative portion of the show. And, uh, you know, it, it's still something that's extremely prevalent in the United States and, and around the world in regards to like lockdowns and stuff like that. Um, Jen Psaki's bad day continued yesterday in, in more audio that was brought on uh, in regards to her and back and forth um, with Peter Ducey. I don't know what it was. I, I actually watched it a couple times. Emerald Robinson from Newsmax was sitting next to him. She usually doesn't get to ask questions. Jen Psaki hates it when she actually does get one out before Oof. she's walking away. But she was staring adamantly at Peter Ducey because he got to ask like four questions that were all answered and she knew that that was just her time getting sucked up. Yep. But he did bring up uh, some, some interesting points on, on COVID, including boosters and the FDA. So let's hear their back and forth on that one yesterday. On boosters, why did the president say in August? Just remember, as a simple rule, eight months after your second shot, get a booster shot if there is not enough data to support that for the general population. Well, what the president also said is that I want to be very clear. The plan is pending the FDA conducting an independent evaluation of the safety and effectiveness of a third dose of the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines and the CDC's advisory committee. We are right now in the week of September 20th. The advisory committee is meeting on Thursday. We've seen some recommendations that we felt was a, a step forward in providing more protection to people across the country, and we'll wait for that process to play out. Our objective and our role is to ensure we have the capacity, the number of shots uh, to provide them to the American people. 18 FDA advisors say there is not the science. The president talks about following the science. Is this a case of him getting ahead of the science? Well, first of all, I think what you heard Dr. Collins and uh, Dr. Fauci convey yesterday is that this is going to be an ongoing process. 
I would remind you that the percentage of individuals at this point who would be eligible to get a booster are largely people over 65, because those are people who would have had the second dose six months ago. If we're looking at when we're going to have available data, that's what the CDC and the FDA looks at. They need an, enough data to make assessments. No one is suggesting that there will never be boosters. We are suggesting that I'm there suggesting needs to be it. a process to uh, be seen through for when boosters should be approved and, and when a broader swath of population is eligible. What do you think, Noah? How about new? Exactly. Nor, I'm sure you're not a big fan of boosters. No. <laughs> Definitely not. Yeah, and it was it was but, interesting to see last week. We I don't know if you heard, Nor. There were two top virologists from the FDA who stepped down because they were being pressured by the administration to vote yes on implementing these boosters. Um, when they said they they ran tests that showed over an extremely brief period of time, it wouldn't even be twenty percent. I think it was now. Don't quote me. Fourteen percent effectiveness of a boost to get a third shot of these Pfizer and, and Moderna vaccines. So, you know, they're like, I just can't get on board with that. It's like literally two weeks worth of, of longevity to the already existing two jabs that you've received. So we're not going to get on board with that. And they're like, well, the administration is going to need you to get on board. And they're like, well, if that's the case, I'm already at retirement age. I'm out. What about, I mean, how many FDA people have we had stepped down so far? Didn't a bunch of them step down after the initial, I call bullshit, FDA approval? Yeah, well, there, there's also a bunch of them stepping down now in regards to the uh, ones for under 12s. They just don't want themselves attached to that. No. I mean, it's been it's been revealed in the last week or so that you saw a lot of the uh, heart enlargement and, and things like that in children ages 12 to 16 because they're not saying that the jab was actually bad, but something that Donald Trump has alluded to several times over decades, the amount of a vaccine that they were getting was just way too much and and wasn't was in turn causing things like blood clots and enlarged hearts and kids that shouldn't have issues like that so yeah it's just one of those things where you kind of gotta really look and see read between the lines on this thing i mean peter ducey's got his narrative jen has got hers but in between there's a lot of really good information that you need to investigate for yourself to find out what's really going on at these places like the fda and uh the nih right now I think the one silver lining out of this horrible jab situation with the boosters is that you have hardcore leftists who, with the boosters, are kind of doing a double take. We didn't sign up for this. You said it was going to be two doses. Now we have boosters. I mean, we knew that it was coming. Well, they also the said beginning. it was going to work, too, so... <laughs> Yeah, well, well, it was just released um, yesterday. Uh, the three states in, in, in the U.S. who lead the country in vaccination rates have the highest COVID-19 uh, cases in the U.S. Um, I mean, look at Israel. Look at, look at all the, the yeah, places I mean, where with it, high vaccination rates. Israel's definitely the gold standard that a lot of people who are against this narrative um, uh, reference. But this is data from John Hopkins' COVID-19 tracker. That shows several states in the U.S. with the highest vaccination rates, and I'm going to name Maine, New York, and Vermont, have the highest increased rate in COVID-19 cases in the last seven days. And the state with the greatest decreased rate in COVID-19 cases, believe it or not, Texas. <laughs> Texas, where you have tens of thousands of people with COVID crossing the border illegally and, and being shipped all over the country, has 
the greatest decrease in COVID rates, while the three highest vaccinated states in the U.S. are seeing numbers skyrocketing. And that article notwithstanding, every person that I've talked to in a, in a situation where they work around a bunch of vaccinated people. Mm-hmm. We talked to a lot of them. Uh, yeah. You know, grocery stores. Uh, a lot of people are there. You can't help but notice that the people that are getting hit with COVID the most are the people that are vaccinated. Yep. Yeah, it's it, it's definitely uh, something that we need to uh, keep in mind. It, there's just not a whole bunch of, and I know I'm being uh, cliche when saying it, science behind it right now. Science. Um, Tom Cotton was talking about firing Dr. Fauci, and Noah will be pleased to know that I don't have any Dr. Fauci audio this week. He's currently hiding. You are part of the problem. Well, Tom Cotton seems to think that he is the problem and has been calling for his resignation now up on Capitol Hill. Let's hear what he had to say when he jumped on one of the news shows to talk about it. Tony Fauci should be fired. Now it's clear that he lied to Congress. So he should be investigated and prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. You know, for 18 months, he's been saddling up his moral high horse and clucking his tongue at college kids who want to go celebrate a football game in an outdoor stadium on a nice fall day or parents who don't want their kindergartners to have to wear masks their entire lives, telling you you have to wear three masks, when all along he's been lying, not just to Congress, but to the American people, about his role in funding the very reckless, dangerous research at a Chinese communist lab that unleashed this pandemic on the world. It is a disgrace, and it's time for Tony Fauci to be held accountable. It's pretty funny that he was talking about some of those false narratives, because one of the things that has been released this week the former FDA commissioner said the six foot distancing rule was arbitrary and he has no idea where the origins of it came from. What you mean the thing that they ran with the hardest besides the masks, obviously they don't know where it came from. Uh, there reading, was no science behind it. It was just random. I'm reading from Scott uh, from Breitbart right now. Scott Gottlieb, the former commissioner of the food and drug administration, FDA admitted during an interview on face the nation this Sunday that a six foot social distancing rule recommended by public health officials, namely Dr. Fauci for months on end was actually arbitrary in and of itself and noted no one in the FDA knows where that came from. End quote. <laughs> Well, they saw they sold a lot of floor stickers. At you, least you have kids in school right now that have to sit in a fucking hula hoop at school, and the people who have been saying this is the rule says it's not a rule, and they have no idea who made it up. We all know who made it up. The six feet of social distancing for the nor you don't look like someone who's social distanced that often. Oh, I've been social distancing for like four years. Yeah, not that kind of social distancing. Yeah, I also. No, 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 I, I don't, I don't, I don't buy into the whole thing. I mean, obviously, uh, the virus exists, and yes. people have been sick. Yes. I got the, I got it. I was sick in October 2020 for okay. 48 hours. Yeah. Um, but the the thing is, we have known cures. Yes. Since over a year. Since March 2020, we've had a known cure. Since then, we've had more uh, come to light, but they're doing everything to suppress these cures because if there are cures, then there are no emergency authorizations. And they needed to get their emergency authorizations for their experimental trial that they're conducting on the entire 
planet. Oh, no, it's it's 100% correct. We've gone over those studies before that shows if anything shows near or getting close to 50% effectiveness, it basically takes away the emergency use authorization leverage they have to mandate vaccines in certain places. And we know things like hydroxychloroquine, zinc, vitamin C, D3, ivermectin, ivermectin, um, you know, and and things like that have been so effective. Um, They've been so effective that people get fired if they're a doctor and they use it now because it will jack up the entire vaccine cash cow that they have going on right now, basically. It's pretty funny, though, that because we do have a lot of that stuff on hand. And we are giving it to people who are crossing the border illegally. So we're being flown in and under refugee status. And I just think that, you know, those are facts. You can do your own research and go find out, you know, the basis for those facts and, and know how bad you're getting played. Um, I think one of you guys alluded to the fact, talking about some of the elites, the Hollywood elites, the, the narrative of COVID. The Emmys were this week. Okay, and the Emmys were, they had no social distancing, which I'm not going to hold against them now because apparently it's not even a thing. Yeah. Nobody knows where it came from. But they were all inside in maskless. Um, they were destroyed on social media by the left and the right. And I like it when we can all get together and shit on somebody together. That's well, fun. The mayor of LA came out and needed to remind everybody that the Emmys were exempt from mask mandates because science. Well, no, they, yeah, exactly. Science. They had exemptions written in to the policies of Los Angeles for movie stars. Uh, that's science. So if you're a first responder and you've worked the last 19 months under these protocols, treating people dying with COVID, getting COVID, bringing home, losing family members, not being able to visit other ones in your family who may have died in the hospitals. All bad. You have to get the vaccine now or you're fired because we're done with you. However, these people can go out and drink from goblets and and, and tongue kiss each other in public while wearing drag. They had goblets? and Well, it's the Emmys. Of course. It's all big satanic Illuminati ritual anyways. Nope. There we go. So, um... And just kind of rub it in your face. It's gotten to the point to where people, they do it, then they call it out and they're like, ah, oh, we didn't know or we didn't think it was going to be that bad. And everybody's kind of like, Mm-mm. yeah, you kind of yeah, did. Okay, yeah. yeah. Nor the elitism that's going on in uh, Hollywood right now, I, I'm sure you guys see a lot of that stuff, um, you know, with government officials, et cetera, uh, over there in Europe. You know, you'll see them all gathering for an event, masks off. We got a three-second call before the camera starts. Everybody throws a mask on and gets away from each other. It's kind of, you know, been a running narrative going on with this whole thing from the beginning because it's a thing but not really a thing. What do you what do you feel on some of the things? Uh, or what's your opinion on, you know, stuff that happened like at the Emmys the other day? Listen, they've been doing it at the beginning. They're, they're completely um, mocking us and making a mockery out of the whole thing. They're so blatant about it. Most egregiously, you know, was this Nancy Pelosi, a Democrat fundraiser in Napa yeah. Valley over the summer, like a few weeks ago. They were packed I in there. I remember exactly, like three, four weeks ago. And then they, they just keep on doing it nonstop. First, yep. it was like the Met Gala, yep. where all the celebrities were not wearing the mask, but all the, quote, servants uh, were, were wearing the masks. Um, and same, by the way, at the this Nancy Pelosi Napa yep. thing, where... The people who were employed uh, to to do the catering, et cetera, were forced to wear masks. But all the the donors who were sitting at these whatever fancy lunch tables, um, 
were not. So it's it's just disgusting. And the more they do it, the more people realize that we are being, the country is being run uh, by a bunch of hypocritical, money, power-hungry, deluded people. Yeah. yeah it's, it's true. And, and you know who called them out over it um, this weekend? Someone who we continuously brought back on the show, who I didn't think... Just like people like Rose McGowan and Nicki Minaj, we never thought we'd be playing on this show other than to make fun of them, was Bill Maher. Um, he went on late night talk show this week. You got to give him credit. He's been making a lot of good points. He's one of those people that are just over it. Yeah. He, he said, you know, we, we need to start getting back to normal. But more importantly, we need to take responsibility for some of the fear porn that we've been issuing on these people. And let's hear what he had to say. Take a little responsibility for that. Relevant. I have, I have to cite a, a survey that was in the New York Times, which is a liberal paper, so they weren't looking for this answer. But they were talking about, uh, this, the question was, what do you think the chances are that you would have to go to the hospital if you got COVID? Mm-hmm. And Democrats thought that was way higher than Republicans. Hmm. 41% of Democrats, and the answer is between 1 and 5%. Oops. Okay. 41% of Democrats thought it was over 50%. Another 28% thought it was 20 to 49%. So 70% of Democrats thought it was way, way, way higher than it really was. Liberal media has to take a little responsibility for that, for scaring the shit out of people. <laughs> and the reason why I'm bringing this up is uh-huh. because it's much harder for every touring act to sell tickets in blue states. Oh, interesting. They're afraid to go out of the house. I see. Whereas in red states, it's all good to go. Yeah. Uh-huh. So I just want to say to those people in <laughs> San Rafael and Pittsburgh and New York, I ain't going to give it to you. I you know. promise I, you know, it's safe. We, we're doing everything we can. There's distancing. There's masking. Uh, and enjoy. Live life. You did get it. In Embrace May. life. You did get it. Nice. So, yeah, it's, it's good to kind of hear him punch back against the narrative. But one of the other things I thought was interesting, there's been a a brief audio clip that's resurfaced over the over the last week. I've seen it circulating online, and and it goes into the fact about you know we really have to think about as people who you know do some investigative work. How long has this narrative really been been around? Uh, like you know we we've all deep dive into Agenda Twenty Thirty and the One World Government, you know the global takeover, you know, all that stuff. Build back crappier and and whatnot, but. There's audio that surfaced back to the early 90s of Joe Biden. Well, <sighs> is this the one where he's like talking, doing the creepy smile? Close. Well, he does a creepy smile on all of them, but I mean, it's not the same Joe Biden that currently occupies the White House, the basement dwelling hologram, as Michael Savage calls him. Nice. It, it's it's the actual person who was Joe Biden that served in Congress for a number of years before God knows what happened to him, but not the ghoul that walks the... Before he turned into Max Headroom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I'm going to play it now just... Kind of try to wrap your brain around how long ago this is and who it's coming from. Control. You may find legislative bodies taking whole classes of people based upon propensity of conduct. Well, to say we're going to put you in a certain category. We're going to demand mandatory testing for you. So, you know, he's talking about putting people in camps and demanding testing for you in regards to overall health and well-being and this is back like late 80s early 90s nor did you ever hear that clip no actually it's the first time yeah i'm gonna but i'm, 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 gonna I'm s- not surprised because the plan was 
in preparation for a very long time, but yeah. just this just confirms it. It's a gem you found right there. And his mannerisms and his smile in between things that he's saying was just so just creepy. Yeah. Like taking joy in the fact that he we're going to require testing and nah. I'm I'm gonna send that one to you, uh, Nor, so you can you can have that one for the record. This just in, reported by Breitbart. I know we played clips previously um, regarding Joe Biden's being at the UN. There were no vaccination rules for any of the leaders who attended. Free pass at where? At the UN. Oh, the UN summit that's going on right now. Good. Over, the, over the course of the good. Next... That seems fair. Yeah, that seems like. Oh, uh, that's that science thing we were talking about, right? Right. No one needed to be vaccinated, yeah. and everyone was good to go. Yeah. Science. So science, so much sciencing going on right now. Yeah, it's, it's, it's very scientific, extremely scientific, and uh, definitely something that uh, you know is going to be continuing on in the uh, narrative now. I, I think for the near future, um, because there seems to be no end in sights with the push for boosters and all the shit that's going on with kids, and uh, you know where we're heading on that. Well, we've got to stop the steal now. We've got a bunch of stuff going on there. It's Tuesday in the States, and we're uh, cruising towards Friday of this week where we are going to have at least some of the Arizona forensic audit released to the public. Some steal stoppage? Hopefully. Yeah. Um, new audio footage has leaked online over the last couple of days that basically uh, has some of the people on the Maricopa County Board of Supervisors talking about how their original audits before the forensic ones that they say are totally justified may in fact be bullshit. They were, uh, came from the same place that the six foot rule came from. It's apparently so. (laughs) So let's hear that was just an arbitrary audit. No one really knows where it came from. Some of that just to hear how bad these original audits and I'm air quoting audits now might've been. That we need to make the County better. That was my point too is even if they don't have political aspirations beyond this and they're done, why allow this to now errase right. anything that exactly. you have accomplished? People I committed only to focus people. On I want to take out Adrian Fontes, too, and we did. I'm proud of that. Yeah. That guy's a scumbag. He is oh. a big scumbag. And, and so let's, why would we, why would we stop? Why would we yeah, I don't know what happened to your colleagues. I don't either. But I'm hoping you can reel them back in, and if we can, if we can deliver to the masses a good message, then we can turn this whole ship around. Mm -hmm. Good. And if not, at least my conscience is clear that we tried. Mm -hmm. Right. (laughs) You know. Right. But I got to tell you, I mean, you're as surprised about that as I am. Because remember what I said to Senator Fan. Remember, and ask her this. And remember what I said to Michelle Ugenti. This isn't going to be a problem. My guys are going to agree with me. Well, yeah, you told us that when we met yeah. with this Giuliani. Yeah, yeah, this isn't like, going to be a problem. Sure and, and, oh, yeah, they'll... And, yeah. and fan, <laughs> I said to Fan, hey, just as good measure, will you call everybody and say, hey, you know, you're supportive of an audit, and that would be great. Including Guy Arno, and she did. Mm. Never in a million years. You know what I think it was, in hindsight? Gates got scared because he barely won, and Jack got scared because he only won by 200 votes. And if there was an on and a recount, which is pretty bullshit, by the way, 
okay what would happen in those two races and that is well there you have it what really goes on behind the the closed doors of these people who have been so reluctant to give over you know so much of the information that's needed for these audits i know over the course of this week we've had a lot of developments um Brnovich has basically gave them a deadline. They had a closed door meeting on Sunday of last week. Uh, and and it, it, it's apparent now that some of the routers and the Splunk logs and, and some of the other data that they've been um, requesting is finally going to get into the hands of uh, the audit team there in Arizona. Um, it's just pretty sad that you have to hear these elected officials kind of try to cover their own asses to their own faces, you know, in, in the face of doing something that's legitimate when you could hear it in their voices, the tones, and then talking about two of the specific local races there, they know that it's fucked up, but they just kind of are just, and you hear them laughing when they're saying, well, at least we know we tried, <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where it's like, no, no, you didn't, you, you, you put it out there for public, uh, you know, opinion and optics only. And, and now you're at the point to where I, I strongly believe that they all are, are about to be royally fucked um, in Arizona. Everyone that wasn't on board with doing this with 100% transparency is going to be basically out of there, to say the least. Well, if the not, if the not, world needs Walmart readers. If not charged criminally. Yeah, we're always short-staffed down at Walmart. <laughs> um, Nor, you, you're a huge fan of Stop the Steal. You, you, well, which one do you prefer? We, we have... A few polls we take on the show now um, in regards to the 2020 presidential election. Was it the crime of the century? Was it rigged and stolen? Or is it a case of unreturned diamonds, as Donald Trump puts it sometimes? Um, interesting question. I'd have to go with the third option. I'll go with President Trump. Oh, I like that one. Christina Bob thought that was the most intellectually sound one yeah, as well. The stolen diamonds. Yeah. I need it, that clip. Well, we played it a couple weeks ago. We're gonna have to. Like, uh, but I mean, I just refer to it as you know the fraud as a f total fraud and a total scam. And there are so many huge crimes. I don't know if we can say it's the crime of the century, but if you look at the past twenty months, nineteen <laughs> months, and the tie-in of both of not both of first COVID, then the election steal. Yes, and yeah, then one six. All of them are linked and. Uh, constitute a pretty huge huge crime right there yeah it's yeah. definitely um something that uh we all hope to get a little bit of more disposition on by friday um christina bob friend of the show former guest was on last week with us to talk about stop the steal she was on um one American News this morning and talking a little bit about some of the developments that are going on in Pennsylvania right now, another hot spot. Um, she kind of was in agreement with us where legally you have a lot of uh, positive reference into winnable cases due to state violations of the Constitution in Michigan and Wisconsin. But she thinks audit wise, Arizona, Pennsylvania, Georgia, those are the hot spots where the biggest actual physical fraud, whether it be electronic or with fraudulent ballots occurred. Are and she thinks that those are the three places where you're going to get big audits and big results soon. She gave an update on Pennsylvania this morning. I grabbed it and uh, let's hear what she had to say now. And was promptly sued by the Democrat caucus in the state. What's that lawsuit about? 
Yep, they certainly didn't waste any time. The Democrat caucus in the Pennsylvania Senate sued the Senate, particularly Jake Corman, the president of the Senate, and Chris Dush, both Republicans, who did issue Lovely. the subpoenas. The subpoenas, as we have mentioned before, I believe are incomplete, but they do seek uh, some information on voters and uh, their personal addresses and identification of the voters on some of the voter roll. And so they sued saying it was a privacy issue. Uh, they didn't think uh, the Senate needed access to the amount of information that they were seeking. And they said that a lot of it is already publicly available. So they sued under the guise saying that this was a violation of the secret ballot and saying that it would disenfranchise voters. Uh, that came out late Friday. And it will probably take a little while for the Senate to work through this. The Senate's response is due in 30 days. They requested an injunction, meaning they're trying to stop any type of audit from taking place. And so we've got 30 days to see how Jake Corman and Chris Dush respond. All right, our Christine. So, I mean, there you have that. It looks like Pennsylvania is going to be a replay of what's currently going on to, in Georgia and where we're heading next. Um, the Garland Favorito case there in regards to the uh, fraudulent absentee ballots, hundreds of thousands um, that are accused, has gone back and forth in court. Uh, we kind of hit another hurdle yesterday, and unfortunately Noah's not going to be too happy to hear this. It looks like it's pushing the Georgia audit case to not being able to get started until the beginning of 2022. Nah. Yeah, we, we had um, a court disposition yesterday from uh, Judge Amaro, who seems like he's a good guy. He's definitely the right judge in regards to this. He hasn't been intimidated or compromised as of yet. However, um, there was an instance yesterday in the uh, court case where, and you have to remember, if you're, if you're following the Georgia audit case, the lawyers who are in Georgia right now are not lawyers that have anything to do with elections. They are criminal lawyers. And they go by a price range of anywhere between one and two thousand dollars an hour for their services, and they are being paid essentially by the DNC. You could say they're voter integrity groups or Stacey Abrams-led, um, you know, voter integrity groups or this, that, and the other thing. It's not the case. It's essentially the Democratic Party that's holding this up. So Judge Amaro issued issued a stay yesterday after some shenanigans in court. And kind of uh, gave them till, I think, October 20th or October 15th, but 20 days. So the numbers don't add up um, on a piece of paper. However, they do add up when you kind of listen to the audio about it. Um, they appeared yesterday on Steve Bannon's War Room, at which point we've gotten to the fact that we're at another poll. Nope, here we are. Uh is Steve Bannon Q? We, we, we say it every week when we always ask our guests, and if they're in the know, then they'll give us a straight-up answer. I'm going to say no. Noah? I've been doing a lot of thinking. Still no. Okay. Nor, is Steve Bannon Q? Nope. Okay. All right. Are you sure? Wait. I mean, as sure as anyone can didn't, be. But Didn't you say last I time that you were so. Q? Yeah, didn't you allude that you might be Q? <laughs> I might be Q. <laughs> This is going to be our highest rated show for sure. Uh, <laughs> All right, let's let's hear about some of uh, Garland Favorito was on War Room with Steve Bannon yesterday and a couple other guys. Let's hear kind of what they talked about in regards to uh, what happened in the Judge Marrow's courtroom in uh, Fulton County, Georgia yesterday. 
Georgia, the shocking development today in Georgia at this hearing, Garland Favorito has been the man at the tip of the spear. Garland, tell us what happened today, because I didn't see a lot of good news coming out of there. Maybe, maybe you can convince me otherwise, but I saw nothing but slow walking, and this is now going to leak into 2022, sir. Well, you're absolutely right about that, Steve. It was slow walking. It is going to leak into 2022 now. Mm. Uh, there are some good things that came out of it, and several things. First of all, the court has agreed, basically, and you heard it in open court today, that we have a case. And that means that we have the correct evidence, uh, a prima facie evidence of uh, potential election fraud in the sworn affidavits that uh, were from senior poll managers that they handled counterfeit ballots. He agreed that they, we have to look at the ballots uh, to find out. Uh, if, if in fact they are counterfeit. He agreed that we had standing. Um, so all of the major issues that they were arguing, he's basically come down on our side. But, so that's the good news that came out of today. But the bad news, as you said, is that we're kind of slow walking the thing. What happened there was that the, the uh, defense attorney got up uh, in, in court and gave court, the court false information, claiming that the GBI was conducting an investigation. Okay, Garland, 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 brother. Gar- now, Steve cuts him off there. There's a lengthy explanation to it. John Fredericks followed Garland Favorito yesterday on War Room with Steve Bannon, who's not Q, <laughs> and kind of gave, uh, you know, John Fredericks, I believe, is... Uh, an expert in the legal field and he's down in Atlanta and he's been really uh, kind of at the tip of the spear uh, of this fight to get this um, Garland Favorito. He's an older man. You know, he, he's spending a lot of his own money. He's got that uh, Georgia conservative voter integrity group that he's representing. I think it's vote GA. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of doing this. The judge knows that they have a case and then, what he's trying to say is these guys stood up in court yesterday and, and made some out, outlandish claims that, you know, in a court of law, the judge has to deal with. You can't just be like, okay, well, I think you're lying. Now they have to basically prove that they made false statements in court. Um, John Fredericks kind of melted down directly following Garland Ooh. and uh, gave kind of a doomer narrative, which which I don't necessarily buy into, but, it, you know, it's kind of like a wake up to the people. You know, let's, let's kind of hear what he had to say. Was it dis- and let me tell you why, and I'm going to stop the spin here, Steve, so we're all on the same page, because we have to start bringing pressure on Kemp to get under this. Number one, they got a 20-day delay Don Samuels, the attorney, started off by wanting the case dismissed. And his grounds for dismissal was that, hey, the GBI has already done an investigation. The Secretary of State did an investigation. There's nothing there. They're talking no about reason the Georgia to go forward, recounts. Dismiss the case. Now, and Mero comes back and he says, well, you know, we have to go. We have to really look at this because we can't disenfranchise legitimate votes or could be fraud, etc. And there but are then affidavits. he allows him to get a 20 day delay now all the first 20 day delay does is for them to them present whatever evidence the gbi has or raffensperger has once they say okay they have investigated it then he has to give them another 60 days to respond to whatever that is that gets us to november 15th Mm. now november 15th is going to come well what's going to happen then then they're going to be fighting about what was investigated what was not investigated how good it was there's going to be another delay. Now we're getting into 2022. They're going to delay this thing 
into perpetuity. Our lawyers today got outmaneuvered, outflanked. You heard Garland. He said we were surprised. Well, look, we got good people doing it. So, I mean, that's kind of uh, basically laying it out there. You know, the people that are challenging the election results in Georgia are doing honest to God's work, the best that they can do, as much as they're funded. They've got a lot of evidence on their side. They've already seen the ballots. Um, The judge knows that this is a thing. But at the end of the day, when it goes in terms of like the progression of legality, if your case isn't good enough to where you can have stop gaps like this from the people that you're accusing of doing it, then all he could do legally is kind of let it play out as long as it takes. Yeah. And uh, I mean, nor we've, we've seen this time and time again. Obviously, it started in Arizona. Um, I don't know if you've seen it or not. Some of the narratives right now they're trying to uh, shape in regards to the Arizona audit coming out. They're demonizing Wendy Rogers. Um, mm-hmm. There's been a lot of stuff on social media about her talking about like, you know, she's only endorsing people that have money. And then they're, they've gone after the uh, person who owns the Cyber Ninjas and saying that he may or may not have used a fake handle online over the last several months and, and made, made comments to try and skew the the narrative of the of the audits and their legitimacy and stuff like that. So they're going after that guy. I believe his name is Doug Logan. And now in Pennsylvania and in uh, Georgia, you see the only thing that can prevent these audits from actually happening is st- by standing up in court and saying, you know, a lie or I challenge this. So, I mean, I think Arizona, we, we are going to start to get some disposition this week. I firmly believe that from all that I've heard of, you know, people that have worked the audits and, and some of the things that are coming out of people who represent um you know, at the state level in, in Maricopa and in Arizona. But what do you think about these other ones? There's a lot of stuff going on that's kind of just, uh, you know, slowing these things down. And uh, who knows if we'll ever get to, to a full disclosure on, on, on what the actual bad stuff that happened there, you know, ever comes to light. Listen, there are so many things to say about this topic. Um, the first one is I believe they're choosing their timing extremely carefully around the release of the Arizona audit. And, you know, I'm sure many of your guests have said this before or you've seen it online, but the reference to Arizona being the first domino. So they need to get that one right in terms of how they're going to unveil all the information about the fraud and the proof, you know. And um, we had the pre-preliminary hearing, you remember, earlier this summer that was already so damning. Yeah. So the information and the proof or evidence or the the facts around the steel is out there and will continue to be brought to light. The problem is the 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 stranglehold or the 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 hold on the on the communication channels because the media, the big tech, etc., they're all controlled by the people who don't want to have this information come to light and be spread. But that being said, um, there's one more thing I'd like to say, first of all, is the total admiration and gratitude I have for all the people who are fighting so hard, risking their lives, you know, patriots putting everything on the line, being, as we talked earlier in the conversation, threatened, um, losing their jobs, their livelihoods. I mean, what happened to Mike Lindell uh, surrounding his symposium was just so... 
heartbreaking and, and infuriating that he was put through all of this. But this this is the the enemy is on is on attack mode, and they they are so desperate. They are doing everything they can to shut all of this down. But we will prevail, and how long, however long it takes, it needs to be done. Because unless, and I've kept repeating this since November fourth or whatever, unless 2020 is fixed, there is no 2022, there is no 2024, there is no gubernatorial. I can never pronounce this word. <laughs> gubernatorial. Gubernatorial. Gubernatorial races. Um, all of it is moot. Unless election integrity is restored. So however long it takes, it just needs to be done. Yeah, no, that's that's an excellent point. Uh, One last thing touching on Georgia, staying on the same thread. Right Side Broadcasting Network announced this morning via the Gateway Pundit that as the hearing concluded yesterday, Charlene McGowan, a representative for the Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger, um, which is kind of weird. You don't know which direction these people are going in. Brad Raffensperger was on CNN earlier this week talking about that letter that Donald Trump said to him, sent to him on last Friday, basically mm-hmm. saying like, if there was fraud and you know there's fraud, decertify the election. And the CNN legal analysts were like, oh my God, I can't believe he put this in writing. You know, challenging. Well, at the end of the day, when you break it down legally, Donald Trump technically isn't the president right now. Okay, that's something that we can all basically agree on, whether or not he's doing whatever he's doing behind the scenes. In regards to physically occupying the Oval Office, he's not. So as a private citizen, he has every right in regards to his feeling on the elections to send whatever he wants to Brad Raffensperger. Oh, yeah. But they were kind of breaking it down. Well, oh, you know, the most damning thing about this is that he actually put it in writing now and this, that, and the other thing. Well, now you have a representative from his office, Charlene McGowan. She revealed a staggering announcement that the election office, Brad Raffensperger's office, is conducting and has been conducting an ongoing investigation in the 2020 election, which includes fraudulent absentee ballots. Ooh. So while this case is in court, it seems like the only legal entity that can do anything about this, in addition to that lawsuit, is the Secretary of State's office because they're the only one legally that has access to those ballots and can do whatever they basically want to them except to destroy or delete them. So if they're doing any kind of an audit behind the scenes now, which is what they're kind of making it sound like, it, it, it's pretty interesting to see what – is he a white hat? Is he a black hat? Is he a gray hat? You just can't you know, tell with this guy. And, and at the end of the day, you would think that they all want to kind of save their own jobs. Um, Donald Trump jumped on, uh, right. Or, um, real America's voice and was talking about, um, some of these cases, uh, yesterday. And at which point, you know, he kind of alluded to, uh, some of the things that he thought needed to be uh, brought to light pun intended, uh, before we get through, uh, into the primary season coming up just in a couple months. Big things. But if you look at Pennsylvania, I hear 17 subpoenas were issued yesterday you look at Wisconsin, they're going, uh, they get it. They all get it. And it's, it's all sort of coming about Arizona, obviously, Georgia, et cetera. But, uh, you know, the biggest thing would be, it's like somebody said, what did you do different? I said, well, we did better. And we did. We got more you votes did. by 12 million. You know, Obama got far fewer votes. That's that. absolutely true. And what what, what you did was do, historical. presidents do. Yeah, yeah, it was historical. And most presidents, that's why people in Georgia, people in Michigan, Michigan knows that we won the election, as an example. Pennsylvania knows we won the election. The people know it. That's why they're so angry. So I guess if you were going to ask me that question, 
They got to have the vote counter. You know, the vote counter was uh, the vote counters were more important than the candidate. Yeah. When you look at states like Michigan and other places, I guess here's my question. Is there a way to continue the investigations and the evaluations of the election of 2020, but still keeping your eye on 2024 and 2022 yeah. midterms? I mean, these are both important. You, have, you basically have to do both at the same time, don't you? Yeah, there really is. And I don't want to get so caught up. Look, I'm, I think it's really horrible that they cheated. They cheat like nobody has ever cheated before. We're a third world country. At the same time, and we're, and that's that tra- that is that train, let's say, is moving along the track very rapidly, and you're seeing it. You're seeing it all the time from various states. I mean, think of it where they have uh, Joe Biden getting more votes with the black population than the Barack Obama. Silly. Mm-hmm. So, I-, I like how he didn't answer his question in regards to uh, you know he wants to kind of get him going down that road. And I think a lot of cable news networks do. He's just not willing to really get, you know, he, he, every time they ask him about 2022, he's like, I think you're going to like the answer. I think you're like going to like what happens, but he, he just won't allude to the fact that, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about getting my campaign. I mean, he's got $150 million war chest right now. Um, aside from all the stuff he's doing with these audits and, um, it's funny that Nor mentioned Mike Lindell a few minutes ago. It was announced this morning, again, on Steve Bannon, not Q's War Room, that Mike Lindell says he's taking his election fraud case to the Supreme Court before Thanksgiving. It will be officially filed, and it will have the support of several secretaries of states. Nice. Yeah, in regards to election integrities. And he says, for the states not willing to get on board where the election results are being questioned, he went to states where... Donald Trump won handily. The secretaries of states and governors are willing to work with him. And at the same time, they're going to provide all the information that justifies the case that he said he's been making for the last nine and a half months. So I guess we're going to see just exactly what that, you know, all entails. But he, he was adamant about it again, his 9-0 yeah. Supreme Court ruling, which I think is pretty awesome. Uh, Nor, I know you love Mike Lindell, former pillow farmer, current patriot on the tip of the spear of this whole movement. And, uh, you know, I, I think, just want to give him a big hug. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, me I too. really want to give him a big, big hug. I hope I get to do that one day. Probably you before us. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've seen him. And uh, let me tell you something. I just have to hug my my pillows. Right. He, he is just as animated in real life yeah. as he is. <laughs> I mean, I, we tell about the story when we went to the Clay Clark Reawaken America tour and participated in that. Mike Lindell walked into the room, came up a set of stairs, missed the last step, almost fell. Got he, he didn't almost fall. I mean, he, he kind of like, he missed the last step. Yeah. Then, then his all of his hair is like on top of his head. It goes down. He like puts it back, ties his shoe. You could just tell he's all sweaty. Like the person you see on TV, all manicky. And, it was and, super hot in there. Yeah, but that is him in real life. There's no, and that guy's going through a lot of shit. Like Nor talked about it, you know, stuff that's gone on with her. He's experienced a lot of the same stuff. Uh, oh, since, my goodness. Since, what he's had to endure is just what a hero oh we actually witnessed him getting uh rushed away persecuted basically yeah there were some antifa people at this event trying to agitate the situation and his black water guys kind of like threw him in the back of an suv and made him sit there until it was his time to go in because they they were following him around and heck they feel like he's the softest target yeah um and and kind of have, have you know really made it a point to try and get him but he talks about it he's like hey i was a bar owner for a long time i've had knives to my throat guns to my face he's like that stuff really doesn't bother me it's so, swords yeah. to his throat 
Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, wrapping up right now, it's Tuesday of a boom week. We're all calling it a boom week. Boom. We've had some Durham stuff come out already. We've got the border crisis that's out of control. Um, that's on the heels of the Afghanistan disaster and the disposition of like the, I guess you want to call it fraudulent drone strike. Oops. Yeah. Um, you have the FDA rejecting boosters for, for all adults, except for extremely compromised situation. You have the project Veritas drop from yesterday where someone from the department of health and human services basically got with them and exposed almost nine months of fraudulent activities uh, regarding the administration, or yeah, the administration of, of vaccines um, in in a government facility, and admittedly not reporting to VARES. exactly, and, and refusing to treat certain peoples, and, and maybe even killing others, and admitting that if they used any of these other treatments, hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, well, they would instantly be fired if they used it. If somebody had COVID, you've had our longest standing ally in the world, France pull their ambassadors from the United States due to a bilateral agreement with Australia and the UK in regards to submarines and defense against China, which France was originally included in, but now excluded according to the Biden administration. You have the Arizona audit results coming this Friday. And I don't know if anybody even knows this. We always talk about the $3.5 trillion um, infrastructure bill that's on the table. Does anybody else know that we're out of money? And that at the end of this month, October, or uh, September, if, if we don't pass a continuing resolution, which no one on the Republican Party should pass, we should shut this government down, literally, Yeah, because there's no wins in any way, shape, or form that we should give this administration for the disaster that they've caused for the last nine months. But if we don't sign one of those, the government's getting shut down again. So I guess at the end of the day, it's probably good because we won't have to hear Anthony Fauci on TV because they won't be paying him to do so. Um, but Wait, he, but does, he doesn't have to come to work anyway? But all of those things kind of add up to a boom week. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, kind of based. I, I like her. I hope she really gets some help from some of the people that we've had come on our show uh, next year in regards to the House. Filed articles of impeachment yesterday. Nice. Um, let's hear what she had to say in regards to Joe Biden. Articles of impeachment on President Joe Biden. The reason why I've done so is for his disgraceful actions having to do with Afghanistan, abandoning Americans, arming and terrorist nation, the Taliban, which is treason, giving aid and comfort to our enemies. But also, I've also introduced articles of impeachment for the national security crisis created at our southern border, which today is actually being invaded. But heading into this week, perhaps the most evil and disgusting thing that is going to happen in this 117th Congress is the bill that's going to be introduced that makes it a federal law to allow abortion up until the day of birth. Ooh. This wall says, in God we trust. And if that is the case, then this Congress will reject this evil bill and protect the innocent unborn. If this nation becomes a nation where we have such a federal law that can kill a baby up until the day of birth, then God will no longer provide protection in his grace over America. Thank you. I yield the Hey, you want to know what? Something I forgot to add in my list of booms for the week. In November, there's a federal court in Mississippi that's going to officially hear Roe v. Wade. That shit's getting overturned. Mm. So you, you want to talk about all the stuff that's coming our way in regards to finally getting some W's in the column here. Well, no matter how you feel about abortion on either side or the other, like you have to agree that there's a certain point where it becomes just an atrocious 
like the day the day before birth like like i mean half these people that are going buck wild on this thing were the ones that were posting you know photos of them with like headphones on their bellies 10 years ago yeah like oh you know classical music and oh it's like you have to draw the line somewhere i have to add something to the booms list ooh Kamala Harris was interviewed outside of the United Nations within the last hour. I don't know if you've heard this or not, Nor. No. She's officially called for an investigation. Into? The Biden administration for their handling of the Haitian crisis on the southwest border. Wait, what? <laughs> I'm reading her. Isn't she? Aren't you? But aren't you are the Biden administration. It's booms week. <laughs> so, and, and we need to talk about people that we never thought we'd ever have on this show. I feel like there's probably not a cackle in this one. In addition... To like Nicki Minaj and Rose McGowan. Norman Laden's probably someone that we never thought we'd have on the show. No. No, and we've had her twice, and hopefully she's going to come back again. I know she's going to come back again. We're going to get her live eventually. Yes, yes, with pleasure. Uh -huh. let's, do, let's do a regular check-in. Oh, good. So we're going to soft pencil you in for episode 85. Yeah, well, when, you, uh, when you're actually able to come to the country again, we welcome you in San Diego. We'll take you out for that lunch. That would be so cool. Uncle Ted Nugent. Oh, <laughs> never wow. thought I'd have him on the show. He was on Newsmax last night yeah. on, on just a regular show. And, and you know, he's he's extremely involved in the Patriot movement. He's friends with General Flynn. He's friends with Donald Trump. He's definitely friends with Mike Lindell. They've worked together a lot. Um, definitely friends with Clay Clark. And, and kind of weighed in on just how awful of a person he thought Joe Biden was heading into Booms League. Let's hear this. There's every weekend here in the swamps of Michigan during the hunting season with great American families that are working hard to earn their own way, live within their means, save for a rainy day, that love the American dream of being the best that you can be, including heroes of the military and gold star families who have sacrificed a loved one for freedom because freedom ain't free. I hate to have to say this, but I hate evil and I hate treasons. Mm. And I'm afraid that's the way America's thinking now. We hate this guy. This is a bad man. This is a soulless man. Joe Biden and his gang violate their sacred oath to the Constitution pretty much every hour on the hour. And we have had enough. So that sentiment, that battle cry against this mean, nasty traitor in the White House, it's ubiquitous across this land. People in the asset column hate people who aspire to be in the liability column. And this so-called president commander in chief has pissed off the heroes of the military and their families. And all of us that know that that sacrifice is why we have an American dream. So he's dug his own hole and all the hate level that this man and his administration, it's deserved. And that's heartbreaking, but true. Nora, wow. what do you think? Does uh, uncle Ted say anything outside of the uh, vernacular of truth there in that statement? No, I love this guy. Yeah, I love him too. He's such a good guy. You know, his wife's actually pretty awesome too. She does a good job taking care of him. And she actually goes out and speaks a lot of uh, Bible-themed uh, love into this world and all the places she goes. You know, she's just a great lady as well. So oh, that's, That statement was spot on. And um, he repeated the word treason or tre treasonous several times. And I think, and I've been tweeting that word out from time to time as well very mindful in a very mindful way when i use it i think um people are starting to realize that we're talking about something that is even beyond what we were what we would refer to as high treason here yeah no you're you're 100 right um i need to watch myself a little bit we've we've been enjoying well at least our twitter account for like almost the last year now 
Um, I have tagged or added General Milley and the CIA in the last couple of days no. in regards to things. I got my first uh, suspension the other day. Well, congratulations. Yeah. We're, we're on our fifth account. Mm-hmm. So. <laughs> yeah, I got my first suspension. Um, I can read it to you, actually. I'd love to hear it. So I got suspended, I think, for 12 hours. And I had to delete the tweet. Oh, and so this was it. The world is run by a sick homicidal cult who hmm. treated as a war board game, playing us against each other while amassing power, enriching themselves on our backs and killing us at the same time to fulfill their depopulation agenda. They deserve the fate they reserve for us. I mean, no lies yeah. detected. I mean, I actually think I retweeted that, to be honest with you, and I may have shared it to my Instagram stories as well. I'm surprised I didn't get a strike. No fact check. That's true. Yeah, well, so Twitter didn't like that one so much. They don't like a lot of things. Um, they they definitely shut down that Project Veritas yesterday. That was a, yeah. no surprise. Yeah. Did you see, actually, if you were, I don't have Facebook, but if you posted it on Facebook, you got a um, suspension for 24 hours. You couldn't use your account. Wow. Lovely. That's why I always proxy mm-hmm. share from other accounts instead of just making it myself and making a post out of it. Yep. So you have to walk a fine line. Like so many people send me COVID stuff. It's a lot of it's unverified, but I feel like a lot of it's raw footage that is true. But because it's unverified, you know, that's the way they strike you. It has nothing to do on whether or not it's actual information. If they feel like it goes against the community terms and services, and we all know what that means, whatever they want, they'll, they'll hold it against you. So uh, the stuff that I share on our accounts, uh, you know, I'd rather shit post than just post like shit raw video of COVID stuff and vaccine stuff. There's so many accounts that do that. And our show covers so much more other than that. We just kind of have to, you know, continue to walk uh, that fine line in regards to uh, what we post and when. Well, I definitely think this was uh an amazing return to Steak for Breakfast Oh yeah, Miss Norbin Laden. She is always a treat to have on. I consider her a real-life friend and definitely an ally in this patriot movement. Um, such a blessing to have you on the show. We had a great time, and uh, we're looking forward to having you back again. For me as well, uh, you guys, always a pleasure, as I said at the beginning of the show, and it feels like I'm chatting with friends, and it's... It's, uh, albeit the news are quite awful at times, but, um, yeah, I, uh, I enjoy coming in and, uh, and going over them with you guys. And we enjoy having you on every single time. Um, before we cut with you, why don't you tell our listening audience every single place that they could find you, social media platforms, whether you want to direct them to your podcast, anything you got going on, let us know and we'll link it for you in the show description. Sure thing. Um, I think the easiest way to find me is on Twitter at Nora Bin Laden. And my website is norbinladen.com. That's where I, you'll find all my writings. And the podcast, absolutely, I'm picking that up uh, again very soon because Good. of the hiatus. There was a break there, but I'm going to have cool guests coming on, um, picking it up in a, in a couple of weeks. And that's at norbinladencalls.podbean.com you've got already seven episodes uh, to catch up on really cool conversations they are cool conversations she said she's gonna have patriots as well cool guests on she might be having us on sometime Mm, just saying that would be fun it would be crossover 
Uh, you know where you, you don't have to cross over is to listen to us on all major podcasting platforms. You can find Steak for Breakfast on iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, Podbean, and Google Podcasts. Subscribe to the show, rate it. Don't forget to leave a review. We haven't gotten a review in a while. I think, you know, what happens, we, we lose Nick and then all the reviews stop. You know. And it's no fun to poke the bear if the bear's not here. They told me I had autism. You don't? No. <laughs> don't forget to download our episodes, listen, like, follow, and share. Um, show creds, obviously, Miss Norbin Laden, thank you very much. The Daily Breb, Wonder Woman, Canadians 11 and 12. I'm sorry, Canadians DS 11 and 12. Oh. Cagbro88, who talked to me this week? Big account, always getting published in the Gateway Pundit. He's going to be coming on the show in October. Nice. In addition no to him. way, I love Cagbro. Yeah, it's going to be his first podcast. We're going to pop that chair and we're going to have a great time. Man, we got to start putting these on the wall. Sheep No More, who's about ready to drop his first podcast, his weekly news show, his redesigned QMAP, and his website. He's going to be coming on in October as well. Um, we also want to thank uh, Mr. Garbaggio of the Garbaggio Instagram families, Emerald Robinson from Newsback, Newsmax, Brightside Broadcasting Network, Christina Bob of OAN, and as always, Tom Pappard, Editor-in-Chief of The National File. Don't forget to follow our sponsors. All American-owned, high-quality products. We don't endorse them because we feel like it. We endorse them because they have absolutely amazing stuff. Odyssey, odyssey.com. Headphones, in-studio recording gear, podcasting, gaming. You want it, go get it. Facebook and Instagram as well. Stay ready gear. Don't get ready. Be ready. Stay ready? Stay ready. (laughs) There you go. Uh, We're going to put up pictures of all the new stuff we got today. Noah's got a little Kydex holder. We've got some beer koozies. we got a drop tray and a whole bunch of cool stuff from them. Stayreadygear.com. They're on Instagram and Facebook as well. Man rubs. Mm. You know what? Tomorrow's the first day of fall. Today's the last day to get out there and uh, barbecue some stuff. You want to purchase it. I'm doing that right when we're done. Shake it. Rub it. Smoke it. Throw it in your mouth. Mm. It's delicious. <laughs> Manrubs.com. They're on Facebook and Instagram. WestCoastSurvivalArms.com. That's Mike's website. He's on Facebook Messenger. And he's on uh, 619-870-6992 by the telephone. He'll get you ready to go. Firearm in hand. Ammo in your clip. Ready to defend the Republic. Clip? Really? Sorry. Tactical gear? Done here. Mediocre Medic and Dumpbox.us. Mark Joe Friday, the Patch Father, home of the Zero Fuck Stuck, at Dumpbox.us on Facebook and Instagram as well. MediocreMedic.com. Tactical gear needs met for all of you first responders out there. You get off work, get off the boots, throw on their flip-flops. You want to go buy a little shaved ice? Throw on the fanny pack to put your change in there. Shave that. It's perfect. Um, we love all of our all, all of our sponsors, and I'm air quoting because they really don't give us anything, but we, we love their support, and we love to support them. Upcoming shows. They're going to be great. This Friday. Sorry, Noah. Turned into a shit show again. Oh. Esther Valdez, immigration specialist and lawyer that's going to be talking to us about some of the COVID stuff. She's nice. coming on. In addition to that, we're going to have Jason Preston. He's running for... The House of Representatives at Utah 3. We're going to do an interview with him and have our guest host, Prince Alex Stein, host of the Conspiracy Castle, joining us. So it's going to be a fun one on Friday, but a lot of edits for Noah. Mm. Kyle Becker will be following us uh, this Tuesday coming up of Kyle Becker News. Alan, the host of the Great Divide podcast, will be joining us next Friday. And the week after that, we're going to have Anna Kate joining the show for the first time. Nice. Um, Friends of the Week. Kalila 3.1. Axie 8.0. Real Brenda Meme 7, Grand Old Memes, 
Mr. Information Reloaded. He's back. One of our friends from Canada. Already shadow banned because he uses the same logo. He just turned it green like the Matrix. (laughs) Um, The Duke of Memes, Mike Crispy from Red, White, and Truth Podcast. And Hunter Biden Smokes Crack. It's a great account. (laughs) Some good shit posting out there. (sighs) Friends, before we drop it, remember the things we always ask you to do. Nor alluded to it. Noah always says it, and so do I. Do your own research. Hold the line. Ride it. Buy the dip. It was dipping yesterday. I don't know if it's dipping today. I haven't looked. Make sure you get in there and buy some. Get the fuck in here. Snatch some wigs. Let's see what happens. Ice your balls. But most importantly, where we go one, we go all. This has been episode 65, Steak for Breakfast podcast. I'm Roan, joined as always by Noah. We'll have Antoinette back on Friday, but our guest host today, who is more than lovely, Miss Norbin Laden. Thank you for joining us. Thanks, guys. Always a pleasure, and I'll speak to you very soon. Perfect. Thanks for listening. Take care. This is all formulaic. He's not in charge. His White House isn't in charge. They're just there to suppress their enemy, the American people, while they get ready for the financial collapse the megabanks have engineered with a great reset. Instead of them all going to jail for the huge Ponzi scheme, they will then say, oh, COVID caused it, breakdown, it's the new world. You're all going to get $1,200 a month of free money, and we're going to make the nouveau riche hand over half their money. That means somebody making a half million dollars a year. But the billionaires... And the Jeff Bezoses of the world and all the globalists, they're going to sit offshore and pay no taxes. So they're just getting you ready for the dystopia and shutting down businesses and paying people not to have businesses and, and, and destroying American businesses with these mandates where half the employees quit, the hospitals fall apart. That's how you deindustrialize people. And then they just get used to being in a depression and don't notice the hyperinflation of the currency that's already begun. 9% increase. In just the last three months in food prices, I have the articles right here.